Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Kia ora koutou. Welcome to Caucus, everybody. Howdy mai, come on in. It's time for this week's meeting to start. I'm Tim Watkin. And ko Lisa Owen Takawingwa. I'm Guy Espiner. And ko Scott Campbell tēnei. Welcome everyone, it's just gone 11am on Thursday, September the 17th, one month, one month to election day, to this very day. So, we'll kick into some party strategies later on in the agenda, but first, we should note, if you're listening to the podcast at the moment, well, you don't need to be, because you could also be watching us on YouTube. Um, we're videoing Caucus now from uh, for the rest of the campaign, so if you want to see us gesticulating wildly at each other, apart from Guyan, who is a calm, still centre of... Kiamoditai. For us all. <laughs> <laughs> um, then have it gander. Take a look on YouTube um, on the RNZ page. Um, let's kick things off, guys. Happy recession day to you all. We are now officially in recession. Pakaru mai tahanga te ahuatanga o te auhanga. The economy's stuffed. <laughs> Pakaru, yeah. Pakaru. <laughs> but not as bad as it was going to be. <laughs> what did you expect? Well, um, so... Yeah, we expected sixteen yeah. percent uh, uh, drop in the in the quarter from the preview yesterday, but we got twelve point two. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the, the number that I'm focusing on, the most important number that I'm focusing on, is the unemployment number. Um, I, I think that's the the best measure of an economy, um, and it's the one that affects people most, whether they have a job. So, I, I think to to if they can keep unemployment under eight percent, given it peaked at what just under seven in the GFC, yep. that is not too bad. I know there's a lot of bad numbers in there, and I'm not downplaying the impact of of unemployment. It's going to be um, it's going to be a bit higher for longer. But wow, we we, we had, we had serious people. We I mean, had, yeah, we had serious economists like Shambhavel Jacob saying that you could hit 30% unemployment, yeah. 20% yeah. unemployment. So if if we can keep it under 8%, well. In the circumstances of a global pandemic, when Canada and America have already hit 13 and Australia is going to hit 10, it isn't too bad. But if you're on the unemployment queue, you're not looking to Australia and America for their stats. You're worried about your position at home. And while that figure is way better than anticipated, it is still ugly. As Tim points out, that's more than an extra 100,000 people um, in the unemployment queue. What's that, a Hamilton? That's, that's you know, almost Hamilton. Yep, and that's um, and the tail of that, as you've pointed out, goes longer than we expected. What is it? I'm just looking at the preview numbers here. It goes through until 2022, 20, 2024. It's still higher than people would like it to be. And those are the numbers that hurt people. In the sense, you can look at the fact that we're going to be running debt at 55% of GDP, and you go, that's a huge number. 55. I can't conceptualise that, but what I can relate to is the fact that I don't have a job. So you know, that's ugly numbers. 
But it's not like anyone is going to get the blame for this, though, right? We're in a global pandemic with economies failing around the world. And I think Kiwis have just almost, well, I think when you go into a mall at the moment and you see how many people are in a mall who are spending, when Air New Zealand does a record number of flights uh, in one day, and people have this pent-up sort of urge to go out and spend money at the moment, you know, I just think there's this false economy that's happening, and you can't, I think the government have done by the looks of it, a pretty good job. It's bad. It's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. I can't see them copying the blame, ever, Did you ever think there was going to be a time we were going to say 12% growth loss in a quarter was going to be not as bad as we thought? I mean, it's it's bizarre that we're thinking that. But, you know, you're right. The debt levels um, that we're looking at, 55%, is this staggering number because we've been weaned onto this 20% kind of magic number in recent years. But... Robertson's not wrong um, uh, when he talks about how we um, compare to the rest of the world. And, and look, let's have a listen to what he said, or have a look even if you're watching on YouTube, to what he said yesterday when he was introducing the prefer and how it's not as bad as we thought. Overall, the near-term economic outlook is less negative than that contained in the budget update, while the medium-term outlook is weaker. The former is a result of an improved domestic performance in New Zealand, the latter, the result of a less favourable global environment affecting export prices and overall output in New Zealand. The initial economic impact of COVID-19, while still large, has been less severe than anticipated, with a faster than expected move down the alert levels and high frequency activity indicators suggesting that activity has picked up back to or near pre-COVID-19 levels by July. The Treasury now anticipates that real GDP declined by 16% in the June 2020 quarter, an historically large decline, but much smaller than the almost 24% decline forecast in, budget, in the budget update. So he picked up there what you were saying, Scott, that you know a lot of the economic growth has, has picked up. Now, obviously, that was the 16% he was talking about yesterday. We now know is 12.2% officially today. But it interests me that yeah, the debt levels, we're still at 55. He's, he, he went on to say, we're still going to be better than the rest of the world is, is now. I mean, Australia, Britain, Canada are all sitting, you know, 50, pay. 80, 100% of, of, of the GDP. We don't pay those people's debt. We pay our debt, right? So 55% of GDP, more than double what we were at a year ago, yeah. right? And so that is going into 2024, which brings up the whole question of intergenerational it commitments does. because um, we are not going to be the ones who are paying it, it's going to be the more. But this well, I, think, I think that's right. I think you, you, you really need to, like most big problems, sort it into, into two things. They triage it almost. There's the immediate problem, right? Yes. And to me, Which the most important figure is unemployment. If we can keep 92, 93% of people in work, then that's pretty good in a global pandemic where the world is in real trouble. Then you go, okay, what's the problem with the debt? Now, the, the debt problem mainly is what happens if we have another crisis? Exactly. If you have an earthquake? Exactly. That's what you need that stuff for, right? Yeah. So you've got to have, and then you've got 15 years of deficits. Again, you've got a real problem if you have another crisis. But that can be managed in the longer term. So I give kudos to the to the government with the wage subsidy of keeping that unemployment uh, level re reasonably low. What I want to see from all parties is, okay, what's the plan to get back to bring that debt down and a slow track back to surplus. And and I think then we get into how do we share this pain? How do we share the burden of that? Public, private, is it only going to be private sector people who lose their jobs? 
are we going to have some belt tightening in yeah, the public sector? I would imagine. All those questions and the inequality questions. So it, it, to, to me, that's, that's it. That, you've got to have a look at the longer track to see how we manage the situation back to some sort of more disciplined sense of a, of a fiscal what? track. But th- that's a longer term problem. And I haven't seen a great plan from in, any of the parties for that. No, there's a hit and hope there. Yeah, and yeah, but I, I, I don't... But they almost, I, don't, I don't actually think that they need to at the moment. And, and that might sound like a really stupid politically thing to no. say. Politically, like, politically no. And that's what I mean. So politically, I think they're doing the right thing. It's almost the battle of who can be the most boring. Uh, let's just survive the next three years and then figure out where we get to after that. And I agree, Gone, the unemployment number is the real key one because how many people outside of the Beltway and the Politicos really care what the debt level is at the moment? Probably very few. No, Muldoon and, famously and, and, said something pretty similar that most people right. wouldn't know a deficit if they fell over it in a dark night. Yeah, I and think the unemployment is, thing is just, you think about, we, we are supposed, we've, we've been in this messaging this year where this is this huge global catastrophe we're in the middle of. And you, that 8%. I mean, if you if you look back even in our lifetimes, 1991, the global 11. recession, it was 11. It was 11 you know, when Jim Bolger and Ruth Richardson. I mean, these are not these are people who are still alive. I came this out is, of university, it was 11. 11, exactly. So, yeah. so trying to get is, a job on the Levin Chronicle. This is this is such a good number in that regard, right? You're talking it about it is in that regard. We're so, not getting to the the kind of peak levels that that we even had, as I say. Yeah, but a couple but, of, I understand, and I understand some predictions put it as high as 20-odd percent, but that was without government intervention, and that was never going to happen, that a government would stand back and let that bloodbath happen. We also have to think about who those 8 percent are, because they're going to be the people who are in tenuous jobs anyway, and in a lower income sector, and we've discussed this before, a bunch of them are going to be women. They're... That 8% might seem small compared to what it could have been, but that 8%... I challenge you to present a different scenario, are probably going to be the people who were struggling anyway, and they are going to get further behind. The equity, you know, the equality gap is going to be stretched totally out as a result that. of this. Māori unemployment usually runs about double the, uh, the actual rate. So at the moment, it's um, about 10% for Māori versus a, around about 5 for the general population. So you're absolutely right. But Well, there's some, we, have, we have said, though, previously, you know, so, women definitely seem to be the hardest hit, but, but we don't seem to be seeing the same kind of Murray Pacific hit that we do in not most yet. recessions, this is not a, yet. This is a long not tail, yet. remember. Yeah, and then the true. other side that's of true. that coin, which we've touched on before, and Treasury touches on it, but a lot of economists are shouting um, Treasury down mm. on this, they're saying potentially a 5% drop in house prices over a period of time. The market is not seeing that. No, it's no. going gangbusters <laughs> with houses. So people who own assets um, and have equity in their homes, that's they it. were going to get richer yep. through this. And the 8% who were already struggling to keep their Noses above the waterline are losing their jobs. Yeah. So let's not lose perspective of this. Sat here, three of us in our state-paid jobs. No, that's that's true. It, it, but so, macro? I guess from a from a private uh, business point of view, then I guess one of the things for us is really that the uncertainty factor. And I was, I was speaking to another chief executive just yesterday, and I said, um, "How are you getting on with forecasting?" And he laughed. He just said, "What do you mean forecasting?" <laughs> It's week by week. We are literally at the moment. I think that the benefit, though, at the moment is we've had six months, essentially, of long nights of worrying about where the money's coming from, how you're going to pay people. Um, yes, the government's been there to help, but we've almost practised ourselves into, and that's not great English, but we've got ourselves into a place of going, well, we know now that there's this uncertainty. And I guess what I'm looking for from any of the parties is a bit of an idea on 
how they might reboot the economy. Where is it that they are going to focus some of their um, their time in the next term? I don't. I'm not. Um, I'm not terribly worried about the debt because, yep, we're going to have to pay it back for years and years to come, um, and our children will. Uh, my concern, though, is really how are they going to help us get back again? Yeah. I mean, Robertson on Morning Report this morning didn't rule out the idea of just wiping off some of that debt. You'd, you'd note. So there is talk around the world that we, you know, we never pay back this debt. That's going to swamp the world in so much debt that basically just central mm. banks write it off. So that's that's a possibility. You know, five, ten and, years down the track. And it'd be but, interesting to see where national goes tomorrow. Yeah. Um, You'd have to think strategically. They're doing it on a Friday morning. Are, are they not promising that much? So you're talking uh, about them unveiling the, the, their national's got its fiscal, plan, fiscal um, tax policy yep. out out tomorrow. So it'd be interesting to see where that where they go with it. On the, on the subject of growth and getting ahead and getting us back on track, we're, we're faced with this. Um, conundrum because we're told that the border is going to be closed according to Treasury's forecast oh. they're operating on a border being closed until 2022 say it again 2022 no, don't say it. Don't say it again. and economists I spoke to Jared Kerr yesterday he thinks that's conservative he's picking really? maybe yep he's picking even mid 2023 so Robertson all that, says nah, it'll, be, it'll be next all, year I know he says that yeah but, well, has um, he got the vaccine? Yeah, in China? <laughs> is it because, because without it, yeah, you're, you're, you're and really, that's your where else you change your quarantine that's policies? That's your people. Quite, yeah. That's your immigration. Yeah, at zero, yeah. basically, or well, close to. Um, and that's your tourism industries and everything that feeds off that. Yep. At the moment, I'm passing it back to you. You're passing it to Guyon, and he's passing it to Scotty. That's right. Well, not necessarily. I mean, well, we're still we're still exporting. We are. We're still exporting all our goods. It's not as though we've suddenly become an, an, an island, a, a non-trading nation. We, we've lost our export education and our tourism. Uh, industry, two of the top uh, which are which are two big. of the top yeah, four. They are, yeah. but we are still exporting, obviously, and importing goods. And actually, we've uh, our, our balance of trade is actually looking quite, quite, quite good. <laughs> yeah, so look, I don't, I don't want to be, um, you know, some sort of naive optimist, but you God know, forbid. I mean. But I, I think yeah. compared but to, to where we could have been, we aren't doing Scott's too bad. question, is that my structure? Not again. I think, <laughs> it, but, but our, our hard borders might be closed. But again, though, you know, we're doing stuff at the moment from Tauranga, the metropolis of Tauranga, <laughs> and we're we're trading with people currently who are in Singapore and San Francisco who have just commissioned us to do a job, right? And so we're so yes, it's that the, the exports are still there, um, and the and the people coming into the country might not be. Um, but we're still able to trade. There are ways that we can do it. And so I think the smart that, economy, the service economy, not not goods even, as you say, you can still do work wherever you are, right? But it's also that on the hard economy, this is where I was interested in, in Robertson yesterday too and what we've heard from National. It's all about infrastructure now, right? There's this is big infrastructure off going on between the parties. That's where they're ploughing the money they've got and this idea that that's where the salvation will come from by just building. I mean, you look at you look back at the last campaign and, and Labour and... National were arguing over the transport plans of like, oh, $2 billion. Oh, my God, a whole $2 billion on transport. And they're, now they're talking about, National's talking about 30, $31 billion. Yeah. I mean, we've gone into this Gulliver's travel of an, of, an, of an election campaign now, right? It's Gulliver's election campaign where every other bit of spending from previous years is lilyput. And now where these giant big numbers are stomping around the political landscape. And people aren't getting that, you know, that... that I mean, even National throws out four billion for for schools alone, mm. and that would have, that that's that's you know 
everybody's transport policy last election. These numbers are phenomenal. Yes, but at the same time, it's the same old, same old. As you say, it's roads and other similar, similar things. And Scotty touched but on it we're before. we're behind on that, yeah. so that's not yeah. bad. Yes. You mentioned immigration, right? Yeah. We've got a lull in immigration now, so... This is yeah, an opportunity to catch up, right? Yeah, it something, is. There is something about seeing someone in a high-vis jacket on the side of the road with a digger next to them, right? It, and and if you drive around... <laughs> what does it do to you, Scott? Well, it's it's a confidence factor. Yeah. There's stuff happening. Cranes and, on the and, skyline, as John Kerr used to skyline. talk about. Yeah. But in saying that, Scotty, you raised this before about, well, is it right to say mediocrity? Is it possible to die of terminal terminal blandness because at the moment in terms of the um, election campaign and we're all kind of political junkies boy oh boy where is the blue sky thinking have you seen any of it and can you name no. one policy that you'll go wow and that's really? what i don't get with national going because because national needs that right where's the student loan scheme where's the tax cuts where's the hundred pounds free i mean national to break through the incumbency of Labour needs something to... Well, you're getting well, a well, toothbrush. Well, 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 <laughs> kids are, anyway. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you hit on it before. I mean, usually, in the normal course of events, any, any policy, people are hanging out for a tax policy or some sort of economics uh, strategy, people are so overwhelmed by yeah. an incredibly serious uh, existential threat. I mean, if you're, if you're frightened of dying... If you're frightened of dying in a global pandemic, then you don't really care um, what the infrastructure spend is or what what the thin capitalisation rules are. So going the to be. power of extra it, teacher it, aids is just not is, a thing anymore. No, yeah. it's really and and, that, and that's why basically it's locked everyone out, else out of the election campaign. Yeah. And you can debate that till the cows come home, but it's it's going as as Jacinda Ardern said, it's it's a COVID election yeah. because because that is it, it's a bit like a war. It's that big and that serious and affecting everyone that you know your, your other policies aren't really going to get a look at. Except for one maybe, welfare, right? Because that relates to your individual circumstances um, if you are among the group that are unemployed as a result of this or your family is struggling. And we've had that in the last week from, it feels like longer ago, but from Labour. And again, there was nothing dramatic. There was nothing show-stopping there. And they keep talking about an overhaul of the welfare system, and one could argue that in a time of such crisis, as Tim was saying, you know, it's licence for Grant Robertson to come out and say, hey, it's not as bad as we thought it was be- it would be, because that's yeah. sort of, you're dealing with unprecedented numbers and times, and people will suck that up where they wouldn't before. So why didn't you go out and go bold? Because they want to hang on to the national voters that they have convinced to come across. Getting crowded there in that centre line. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's... but why, why scare anyone, though, right? Well, it's almost like, and that's what I mean about the Battle of the Boring, it's almost like don't scare anyone. Anybody. Um, and, and Labour, it's almost like Jacinda Ardern's been, you know, adorned as the Prime Minister again already, and, and National's doing its best to just try and make it look shaky. I just think that at the moment um, they can afford politically to do nothing. And it's almost as if they just get it's through the next It's a lost opportunity, though, is oh, it not, Scott? And we're comparing it against, you know, we're not doing a league table thing, we're comparing it against themselves, right? With the yes. Labour rhetoric is we're here to overhaul and transform yeah. um, the, the welfare system. Yeah. And, and they're not, and you're right, they're doing it with infrastructure. They're, you know, from an infrastructure point of view, they are seizing the moment. Um, as I say, no immigration, low interest rates, let's spend a lot. 
they could take the same approach to welfare and, and play to their base and do that, but they're not. If you I, I, right. I mean, that's ba- I mean that's basically a, a national party welfare policy. Um, what are they doing? They're, uh, they're, they're putting the, the, the TIA, what is it? The, uh, training training incentive, incentive allowance. allowance back. What's about five grand a year or something like yep, that, is it? just over $4,000. Yeah, okay, yeah. and you're allowing beneficiaries to earn a little bit more before you start taking money off them. But it's, it's, it's around the margins, isn't it? Yeah. And the abatement rates is interesting because it assumes people can get a bit more work. <laughs> Who's going to be getting a bit and more work know, potentially in the next couple of years? And we know from the employment stats most recently that uh, a bigger chunk of people are getting fewer hours at work. Yeah. So those sorts of jobs might not be as easy to come by if you have hospitality lagging you know, as an industry and all those jobs where you might pick up a few casual hours here or there. I mean, their welfare policy said um, if re-elected, the 42 recommendations of the welfare review will continue to guide us. <laughs> Till kingdom come. <laughs> so so does, National, does National have a point then that they, we can't tax our way out of this problem? Sure. But but are they are they do, giving us an alternative to taxing our way out of this problem? You know, one, of, one of the things I found interesting about them waiting until tomorrow to release their policy off the back of it was, did they not think it was going to be as bad as, or, or as good? Or what, what had they miscalculated the numbers that were coming out in preview? Because surely they could have been ready to go quicker than what they have been. I suppose, to be fair to them, they, 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 they want to wait till, till those numbers are out there. They want to be safe. They're still careful managers of the economy. You know, but you're right. You're right. What is the, where, where's the revenue coming from? from I, mean, I mean, Labor's, we talked about this last week, I mean, they're getting half a, half a billion, is it, um, yep. from their tax policy? 550 mil tops. Pretty much yeah. nothing. But at least it's, <laughs> it's at least it's 500 million better <laughs> yeah. than nothing. Where, where nothing is the revenue days. coming yeah. from? Well, we'll, we'll see tomorrow from, from National. We'll see from, from tomorrow for, for National. But yeah. what, how do you actually get that revenue back? And you can say, oh, well, the way to get revenue is to grow the economy. Well, yeah, but... Um, but if we just said tourism and exporting education are off the table, so... Tough. yeah. What, can we, health and education, because we yeah. have, um, you know, that is always said to be the most important um, uh, things for voters. We've heard health and education policies this week. Anybody excited about anything? It was like a reheated school lunch education policy. A yeah. free lunch, though. Free, oh, there, was, there was a few more free lunches. Yeah, there. more free yeah, lunches. Yes. And a toothbrush from National. Okay, but on education, <laughs> let's go through education then. The free lunches in school and the expansion of that policy had already been out, had already been announced. The commitment had already been right. made. So, so it was a, it was a reheat with some numbers attached to it. Well, it's a bit it. like when you eat your lunch at sort of 10.30 in the morning, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to eat your lunch at playtime. I'm a big proponent of second lunch and second breakfast, I'll have you know. Anyway, so they had already announced that they were expanding the policy. You got some numbers attached to it. Okay, fine. Uh, the decile system, that wasn't new. They'd already announced it, so it was more of the detail around that. And they're both doing that. So. Yeah, so what did you get that was new? It was the equal pay. Yeah. Um, early childhood education. And for national, it's back to back to charter schools, some investments in classrooms, and more, more teacher teachers. aids and more teachers. I mean, in this way, it's relatively but, traditional, right? Yeah. It's more, Labour is more money for teachers and national is more money for more teachers. So, yeah. They're, they're a bit the same, the same though, right? There's, it's a fight over who's in the centre a little bit at the moment, and that's, um, I think, even National coming back to talking about going big on Pharmac, and well, that's not new. I think one thing I did find really interesting is I was watching a debate from the East Coast last night, uh, and um, the, you, you're Mecca, living the dream, Scott. Oh, mate, what yeah, a life I, you lead in lockdown. Um, <laughs> and and Mecca Fighter was asked the question about Labour's 
education policy and $1.9 billion that had been attributed to it. She had no idea. She had absolutely no idea what the policy was. She fudged her way around it. Um, she talked about apprenticeship schemes and all this, but she had no idea. This is somebody in the governing party who has no idea about the policy that was released by one of her colleagues. Interesting. Hey, just on the policy releases before we move on, mm. in the books we saw that there's, what, $14 billion that's unallocated money for the COVID backup fund, right? This yeah. is this is the powder that Grant Robertson is keeping dry just in case there is another crisis or, or, or they need to dig deep again. Interestingly, I noticed in the fine print of the welfare policy when you mentioned the uh, training incentives, um, that money it states is coming from the COVID recovery fund. So there's another question to be asked there, how much of the promises that are being made on the campaign trail by the incumbents, Labour, is coming from that 14 billion that is supposed to be for a rainy day? Yeah. That's yeah, but there was also some money. It. There was also some money that wasn't used when um, a lot of the businesses didn't take up or as many of the businesses didn't take up the wage subsidy scheme yep. as they thought they were going to. So there is money that's still there and still sitting there that they haven't used yet as well. To me, the interesting thing about the the policy stuff, and um, you touch on um, Pharmac from, from National, I mean, that was, what, an $800 million uh, policy, I think, uh, $200 million over four years. I mean, a, again, a pretty uh, sort of labourish type of uh, health policy. It's interesting to me that the, the policy strategy from, from National, they haven't gone look, we've got a crazy outside chance of winning and and let's do some sort of fringe stuff and, and mm. try to do really um, polarised policy. I think it's quite good for New Zealand that, that they've taken a fairly serious and sort of centrist approach to this. It's almost like a longer term strategy. They haven't gone, let's just go crazy and try and get the fringes and really try and rile people up. I, a lot of people would have been, if you'd been thinking a few months ago and told me, hey, Collins is going to be the, the leader of the National Party, You'd be wondering whether she'd go down the Don Brash track and, and rile up um, race relations a la 2005. Were they going to try to really, um, you, you know, form some sort of um, divisive uh, policy to, to try to really rack New Zealanders up? We haven't seen that. No, I, I think they need some, some credit like... for, for that. Yeah. I don't think it's going to get them anywhere electorally, which makes me respect it even a little bit more. I, I can't is see a path to victory. Is it an decision on their behalf, though? Well, because it, I would and is it the decision or the party? machine yeah. moving here it already. It feels no, no. to me and, and it feels to me that they are almost thinking longer term and they'd never admit it publicly but uh, you, you, are they giving this election away to, to that degree and thinking longer term and trying to um, preserve some of their you know their, their credibility and reputation after having a pretty tumultuous... It feels like they're focused yeah. on the floor, right? They're holding on to their floor. They're not really going... Or is there no strategy at all, Scotty? Because you remember, so the way you present that, that would require some, you know, yeah, forward-thinking I don't know. I mean, strategy. I haven't talked to anyone on the no, no, that. I'm just saying that it, 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 I, I'm quite Understand. glad as a citizen that, that <laughs> we've got, you know, two fairly sane um, parties in the middle. When I look at the uh, fellow democracies around the world, I'm not seeing that. So, you know, that, that gives me some heart that, that, that there isn't just some sort of crazy Which I, I think, I think is good for National as a party. I don't think it's good for Collins as a leader, right? Because no, this is no, a one-shot no, problem. That's why, that's why uh, I think I have some respect for it. Yeah. Okay, well, no, the, the question and point that I was going to raise is, is it even a strategy? The suggestion that this was planned to be this way. She's only been the leader for a few weeks, so maybe she's just had to go with the game plan that was presented to her yeah. because there hasn't been any other time to do anything. And in regard 
regard to that health policy, they're focused in on the things, from my read of it, that uh, everyday people are most deeply concerned about. If I need a surgery and I can't get it within four months, as they've been promised, that makes me grumpy. If I have a relative that's got cancer and can't get access to yeah. the best drugs, well, good. you know, those are the people yeah. that are agitating. Good. And then I mean, to the, put aside the, funds for people with rare conditions as well, they've tapped into um, the disquiet in the community. Those are the things that we've been hearing, and they have come up with solutions for that. But I'm interested in what you, in what you think about the strategy, Scott, and indeed, yeah. if it is actually a strategy. Oh, well, if it is a strategy and they're playing to the next three years, then it's probably a good one because, uh, I, you know, I think whoever is in government for the next three years faces the, a huge challenge. Uh, and and Judith Collins is, is not one, that sort of person who would have wanted to come in and be the next Bill English and take National to a 21, to a, to a 20, to a 19% of the electoral vote, right? So anything more... And if she can try and um, shore up that National Party vote in this election, she would have known that Jacinda Ardern was was you know almost odds on to walk in with her eyes closed to to the win of this election. And Judith Collins, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she's actually picking for the next three years. She will want to win on October 17, of course. But if she can just get through this period, sit there for three years. I don't think her party wants her to sit there for three years. Well, you've got a guy got called Chris Luxon who, who yeah. probably Someone is else is coming in. But, That's right. but, but you know, it'd be, if she gets a good defeat, you know, somewhere in the mid thirties. I, I, sus- I, I suspect it won't be enough. Remember, she got you know half a dozen votes over all of the other previous things. She's not beloved by a caucus. Okay, so and she wrote a book before it, she came thank leader. Thank you very much. As she, as yeah, she goes possibly, out the door. She, possibly, quite she possibly. She wrote a book before she came became leader, Guyon, and in it there was a chapter dedicated in part to the fact that National doesn't like losers, and if you lose the election, you're not odds on you won't be there next time around. We, but Tim, how are we going for time? We're, mate? we're running we out of time, on? so so we're talk, talking about Collins, and she did an interview um, on a report this week, which Guyon, you were interested in. And this, we can touch on China very briefly, the Chinese story this week. Um, but it was more what she said in terms of how she's positioned herself with a message. This is the third clip, guys. Um, Collins with uh, the China grab, please. I think it's very important that we, the first people, our first people that we consider are New Zealanders. I say to them, where's the free trade agreement then the US? And we need to put New Zealand first. Would a national government under your leadership take a tougher approach with its language about China and its expansion across that part of the world. Corin, we have run for now decades an independent foreign policy that puts New Zealand first. I was just interested. I think I think she said it, New Zealand first a couple more times in that interview, and there were probably some people in a, in a black and white bus sort of choking on their um, on their coffees at, at, at the time she said that. Um, yeah, I guess na- national would be quite alert to the fact that Winston Peters is, is, I was going to say, running around the country, he's bussing around the country, uh, saying, you know, buy yourself some insurance, National Act can't possibly win, so so, so go with us. And I just wonder whether she was playing to um, some of the sort of, um, you know, nationalist sentiment with with that and using that exact phraseology. If she's not here. New Zealand first... uh, multiple times was, was interesting to me. If she's not hearing Winston Peters breathing down the back of her neck, then she should be, because this is what he said in Tauranga yesterday. Your vote is seriously critical. If you're an actual National Party supporter, let me tell you to your face, do the mathematics. Get your abacus out. They can't remotely make it. 
So the next question is, who can make it? And what needs to be there to ensure you get the kind of stable, common sense result that you've had this last three years? And when you think of that way, there's only one party that can do that, and that party is New Zealand First. So don't let them stuff your country. Think about it. Buy some insurance. Buy some insurance. Don't let them stuff your country. I, I found, you know, maybe the education policy is bring back the abacus. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tried line and a true line from Winston Peters around the don't let them stuff your country. What I find really interesting at the moment is him attacking the Prime Minister as being inexperienced. So he constantly at the moment on the media is saying, trust me because I've got the experience, the others don't. I find that fascinating given that he's been sitting on the right hand for the last three years <laughs> providing yeah. some experience. And that was the kind of tone of the press release that New Zealand First put out after the books were opened, as if they were not involved in the government that produced these numbers. They <laughs> can were. I, can it's I, it's well, a very tortured position he finds himself in, isn't it, having been in the government f for three years, now trying to pretend he's kind of an opposition with an attempt to get back into the government. I well, mean, it's, it, it's, it's like Houdini trying to get out of a locked box in a swimming pool to try and jump back into it so you can get back out of it again to one day jump back in. It's, it's, it's very confusing for the, people. The thing is, there is someone who is going to hold... I mean, something like China this week, right? As far as he would um, be making hay often over, over a story which involved China interfering in New Zealand, but as foreign minister, he's slightly handcuffed. But there is somebody who will hold Winston Peters to account to this, and that person yesterday said... I think it's a long since it's long since time that the leadership of this country gave up its level of naivety and understood who they were dealing with and what they were dealing with. Do you know who said that yesterday? Winston Peters. He's holding himself to account. He's 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 railing against the leadership of this country, which is him. Yeah, it's the Houdini style um, politics, as Guyon was saying. But but um, and does act win out of this though? Like it, you know, it's it's starting to make David seem more. I don't know if I really want to say this, um, but look like quite a sane politician at the moment. He's somebody who's coming up with some ideas, and in in some ways, Labour is wanting to govern alone, right? They they want to go to the to the um, day after the election and have fifty plus percent. They want to govern you alone. Yeah, hundred percent. They do. Nah, uh, and, and that's what they want. Disagree. You don't think they want to? No, you I don't think, think they even want to. I don't think they want to talk about it. I don't think they think about it. They don't want to jinx it. But I actually don't think they want to. Why would you? Why would you not want? I mean, look what John Key did with the Murray Party Act. Why would you not want somebody there with you to be able to um, to, to blame when things go wrong? You're a Labour Party. It's You're a broad church party. It is when you try to be all things to all people that broad church parties tear, tear themselves apart. Centre-left social democratic parties all around the world are struggling with their middle-class kind of activists over here and their working class. But look what happened in Britain. The, the you know, Boris Johnson, Donald Trump in America taking that working-class vote off parties like Labour who are supposed to. They're, I think they are quite happy to let the Greens have some of that um, more progressive, greeny kind of vote, um, and they will try and stick to some of the knitting in the middle. And you remember Jacinda Ardern keeps saying she's an ex-Mormon from Morrinsville for a reason. She is a conservative person. I don't think she wants to govern alone. It's too scary. She would have to make all the big decisions. I don't think she wants it. Well, I'm not so sure about that because I don't know if you caught the News Hub um, report on the tax policy, right, where Grant Robertson was asked, and we talked about this a, a little bit last week, about negotiations with the Greens. Yeah. He kind of seemed to be implying 
that there wouldn't be any. <laughs> and I don't think that's necessarily because he was going to hold his ground. No, I hear what you're saying. I, I think maybe they thought there's not going to be any negotiations because they're not going to need to negotiate with yeah, people. I, I, I think, know, it could be I reading more into it. I think the dream of any but... party is, is, is to govern, govern alone. And, yeah, I take your point. Um, and if the Greens were there, they may well give them some you know, some minister slots outside cabinet or something. Yeah. But, but but you can be a conservative um, governing, basically governing alone. It would allow her to, to, to keep the centre ground um, and, and do it all on her own terms. So, But as Scott says, it's going to be a hideous next three years governing, potentially, as we see with Prefer. It gets worse before it gets, a lot worse before it gets better. So uh, it, do you really want to be there? Do you want to govern alone in that period? It'd be, it'd be great to be a fly on the wall in those coalition agreements, if there are coalition uh, uh, negotiations after on, on October 18th. I, I think, I, I stand by, I think that Labour wants to govern alone. They want to do it by themselves. Um, why would you want to have someone who's just knifed you for the last six weeks sitting at a table with you? Uh, and then the Greens who are trying to get at each other and can't figure out whether they're one way or the other at the moment. I can just see Labour wanting to go by, the, by themselves, have the say for the three years and have another crack in 20. But New Zealand First, is, as you say, and I, th- I think they'll happy take the Greens. I don't think they want New Zealand First for a second. But, you you know, I, I'm hearing some of the, the, the stuff from the regions. I, um, uh, not your part of the country, but not far away from it, Scott. You know, there are a message from New Zealand First saying, vote New Zealand First or else you get Marama Davidson as Deputy Prime Minister. That's where New Zealand First is going to try and say, national, what Winston said in that clip, what, you, national's got no hope. So the only way to get some kind of centre-right voice into government or else the Greens take over is to have New Zealand first. But yeah. it's hard since you've anointed a government which has gone into a three-party coalition effectively with the Greens. Yeah. It's pretty hard to sit, sit, sit in that. I think the ideal scenario for MMP um, uh, Prime Ministers is basically John Key scenario where you were pretty much doing it on your own but you had at United Future and Māori Party to play off to, to swing left or right and have someone else to blame and if she could find herself in something similar as a situation where she didn't really need those parties but could bring them in around the margins then she'd probably be pretty happy with that. Let's wrap this up with the, with, um, the new uh, TV ads that we've seen this week. Oh, we've got, um, oh. well, let's just have a quick look at those two maybe back to back. We've got Jacinda Ardern and Judith Collins straight down the camera in their new TV campaigns. Together, we went hard and early to fight COVID. Our plan now is to rebuild the economy even stronger. We'll create new jobs with infrastructure and environmental projects, make apprenticeships free to prepare for tomorrow's jobs and back business and grow trade with targeted support. These are uncertain times, but we've seen what we can achieve with a strong plan. So let's stick together. And let's keep moving. New Zealand, let me be straight with you. Communities, livelihoods, futures are at stake. Yes, it requires historic debt, but more importantly, a team you can trust to manage it. It means giving Kiwi businesses confidence, backing Kiwis to retrain or go out on their own, delivering infrastructure, a secure border and a greener, smarter future. It is a big job, but with our plan to get New Zealand working, you can trust us to get it done. 
Well, they both took the same approach, didn't they? One was a complete blue out, yeah. which, obviously, um, Judith Collins with that? her blue jacket <laughs> on and her blue background, and then Jacinda Ardern with her red jacket on. And and did you notice the red roses, yes. the red rose yep. of socialism and the uh, photo Michael Joseph of Michael Savage, Joseph Savage yes. who was probably turning in his grave at the, at the welfare policy that was announced? <laughs> and, and, they both, and they both had their warm voices on, yes. you know, their warm voices on, which I go back to the earlier comments about whether we may, you know, peter out through terminal blandness. Um, I, I don't so, know. It, 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 you know. Scott, you're the message guy. Yeah, you're the same, message the, guy. Well, I was interested in the same in, in the music, both using the same type of music, straight out of Guy and Spotify playlist. But, um... Yeah, but I, I pay for mine, mate. And usually there's political, there's political bring, parties. Bring back Coldplay. <laughs> At least it wasn't Eminem-esque. <laughs> No, so they're not going to get sued over any of that because <laughs> there's nothing controversial enough. No, and they were very old-fashioned ads, weren't they? Straight down the barrel, branding colours, we're here to reassure you and kind of say nice things, but there's nothing punchy. Or there's no rowboats, there's no driving around in cars, there's no um, people, there's no other people in it. I'm curious why Nicola Willis is um, dressed, <laughs> dressed for a winter campaign in a big coat and that thing, and everybody else is in inside clothes, but apart from that, there's just nothing that stands out, is there? Maybe that's the strategy. Again, at the Battle of the Boring, we've got four weeks to go. <laughs> who, who Stay with it? us, mate. Stay yeah. with us. <laughs> hey, well, next week it gets interesting. Um, we have the first TV debate, um, and we'll have polls around that. So um, I'm sure that'll all be part of what we discuss next week. Yep. Thank you, guys. Um, that is Caucus for this week. We'll, um, as I say, be back with you next uh, Thursday. Uh, on behalf of Lisa Guyan, uh, Scott and me, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching if you're with us on YouTube. And um, do subscribe to the Caucus Podcast anywhere on your podcast apps, including Apple, Spotify and Google. We'll see and you next week. And a shout out to the fifth silent member of the Caucus team, Jimmy. Jimmy, oh yeah. The pot plant in the background. We got it. Can you, can you turn your screen a little bit, Scott? You can't see Jimmy. Yeah, you oh, can just see him see. hanging in there. There he is. There there, Jimmy's there. there. Jimmy's there. That is, um, that is uh, uh, a plan that we will keep monitoring all week. All right. Thanks. Matiwa, everybody. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.